0: Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck here you. on Faith FM Radio. How are you guys going today? Yeah,
1: good, going well. we started back at classes for uni. Oh, and nice. I'm pretty much, just I think I was supposed it. to do that
0: as well t- this week. I found out afterwards.
1: Oh, that's good. I'm a terrible student. <laughs> I have loved it. Pretty much, I've just sat there being excited that there are other people in the room with me. <laughs>
0: so oh, that's good.
1: Attending class. That's very
0: good. It is. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I didn't enjoy it as much because I was just watching a recording of it. <laughs> today after yes. it happened <laughs> oh man so I was just thinking to myself here we were just have you ever had a bad haircut
1: yes so oh. many almost every ba- haircut has been that's bad. how
0: I feel about all of my haircuts as well really
1: but have you cried after yours I have I'm just saying
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be really vulnerable <laughs> here and say that yes I
1: wow. have Wow. okay all right I, I think I was that. younger
0: but I get sometimes I, appreciate- I get really cranky about them I well, think it's one of those things that's really a test of character for me that I, I often fail.
1: Yeah. I'm usually, I'm nice to the person like when they do it, but I just oh, yeah. don't nice, feel, nice to them I don't feel happy and I'm like, I'll myself. never go back if I don't like it.
0: <laughs> All right. So the question is, what's the worst haircut you've ever had? You've got 15 seconds. Go.
1: Oh, the worst haircut I ever had was when I went for some sort of layering, but there was a miscommunication and I kind of ended out with a bob and I didn't plan on a bob. Um, And my hair is so light that it kind of goes up. So suddenly I had like this short bob and I didn't know what to do with it. That was possibly the worst I've had.
0: Oh, man. Well, at least you still had hair.
1: That is true.
0: See, one of the challenges with being a dude is that... um... Well, well, let's be honest. I I like two haircuts. I like a buzz cut, which you I just found out during the break that you do not like at all. No, and not I like attractive. it and I like it below my chin. All of it lower than my chin or all of it like 5 mil long. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say Everything most do out like bad. buzz
1: cuts.
0: Well, they just don't know what they're missing out on. Have, have you ever like
1: <laughs> felt somebody's cut?
0: head when they have a buzz cut? It I feels really nice. I
1: have. Yep, I've Yeah. Felt, it's good. Yep. It's like
0: like a brush for your hand. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I, I got a haircut this week and I wasn't really pleased. Everybody else seems to like it. Yeah, which, I like Which it. almost but, makes it worse because no. cause I feel bad about it. For everybody out there, it looks it. good. It's kind of like
1: a little fade on the side and lower oh, at no. the top. Oh, no. Um, it's looking good. <laughs> it's, it's looking good.
0: So we've got a great show lined up for you today. It's, we're, not, we're not talking about haircuts in the Bible study, unfortunately. We're not talking about Samson, but maybe we will in the coming weeks now that I think about that. But we're going to be hearing from a friend of ours named Matt Para, who you may have heard on a Saturday morning. He's going to be sharing a bit of his testimony, and he's quite, got quite a story, so we're excited to hear from him. And we are also coming to the final chapter of our God is My Judge series, Daniel chapter yes. 6. And we're going to be looking at a story that perhaps is familiar to you. It's a story called... often referred to as Daniel and the lion's den. And we're going to be learning about this last story of how God shows faithfulness to Daniel in the kingdom of Persia. So stick around. It's going to be a great show. And this is Eric and Monique, You Alone.
3: I will not build on the sand. Rock of Jesus in him alone can I be found? Am I planted in His Word? To destruction You alone Are my strength My refuge You alone Are my peace My comfort You alone Are the reason You alone are my peace, my comfort. You alone are the reason that I live. That I live.
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And I just wanted to put out there right on the early part of the show two things really quickly, actually. The first is that if you've got a question that you'd like answered from the Bible or a question about spiritual things, you can do that by calling in. But also, seeing as we're at the end of our, our series, I wanted to just put it out there that if there are things that you would like us to look into in upcoming Bible studies, you can actually send in your suggestions as well for Future series that's items to look at. Yeah. So, we want this to be something that's a blessing to you. And so, if you'd like to send in a question or a topic that you'd like us to look at in the future, please call in at 1 800 324 843. That's 1 800 Faith FM or text in at 0491 064 669. Or you can send us a message on our Facebook page at Faith FM Australia. All right, so it has come that amazing time of the day for yes. What a Weird and Wonderful World Health Edition.
1: Absolutely. So what
0: do you have for us today, Beck?
1: So first of all, I have a question, which I've asked you before, but not on air. So, oh, this
0: could be dangerous.
1: <laughs> it's not a serious one. I think you've, you've got it. So for, you're American, correct? Yep,
0: don't hold it against me.
1: <laughs> so for us Australians, can you explain to us what the difference between Jelly and jam is, you know, you have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we oh, might please have tell peanut me. butter and jam. What please is the difference? tell me
0: that you are going to tell us health facts about jelly. Okay, so <laughs> basically my understanding is that, that jelly is, is typically referring specifically to grape conserve. So, it's always grape, grape jelly. Oh. Um, you don't really have, oh, they maybe have strawberry jelly as well, but it's got a different consistency. It's a little bit more gelatinous. There's never seeds in it.
2: Oh, okay. And
0: it's usually a bit more of a, a, a like a, almost like a jello jelly, like like Australian jelly, airplane jelly. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's a little bit of that consistency to it. It's kind of wiggly.
2: Okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: But jam is, is thicker. It's got seeds often in it. Yeah. And um, it, it doesn't wiggle as much. That's the. J- <laughs> That's how I would describe it. You cool. can, if you put enough on your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it will wiggle before you put the bread on the top. Yeah, it's yeah, true. yeah. Excellent. I have done this.
4: This is cool. It's
0: an art. It's an art. Form.
1: <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Robbie. So you talked about seeds there, and so what's the other thing in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Besides the jelly. Peanut butter? Peanut butter. Oh, Excellent. yes. So I was star leading points. scheme. I, I was leading you. Today, we are talking about nuts and seeds. Mm. And it was cool that you talked about seeds because I just learned that jam is slightly, slightly healthier than jelly because it has seeds, which contains some nutrients from the plant. So this <laughs> yeah,
0: cool. As, as opposed to the 50% sugar <laughs> that's contained in jam.
1: So I have a study to share, which is really cool. In 2013, there was a study conducted by Harvard researchers who found that people- It's a big deal. People who ate nuts every day lived longer and healthier lives than people who didn't eat nuts. Okay. So they followed 120,000 participants. What?
0: 120,000 participants for how long?
1: For 30 years.
0: 30 years. It's
1: amazing. So I think I
0: know the study you're talking about, actually. The
1: researchers classified the participants into six categories, and they ranged from never eating nuts to eating them seven or more times a week. And the people who they classified as the nut eaters were less likely to die of cancer, heart disease, and respiratory disease than those who didn't eat nuts. Wow. And overall...
0: That's awesome.
1: 20% they were less likely to have died during the course of the study.
0: Okay. If they ate nuts. 75% less... Is that
1: what you said? 20% less likely.
0: 20% less likely to die. Yeah, which is a big amount. That's one out of five.
1: So it was dose related. In other words, the more nuts they ate, the lower the risk.
0: Okay. So, so what kind of nuts should we be eating then? Yeah, yeah. Because peanuts are a legume, technically.
1: Peanuts are a legume. I still count them as a nut. Um, so peanuts, cashews, walnuts, and pecans. Pecans and walnuts are particularly good for your health.
0: Mm, especially seeds, for your brain health. Yes. Which indeed. is funny because walnuts actually look a little bit like a brain. Yeah,
1: which is why you think, <laughs> oh, they help me with the brain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and flax seeds and chia seeds are great for omega-3 especially.
0: Definitely. One One side note. In order for flaxseed, which is also called linseed, to mm-hmm. give you real benefit, it has to be broken open, and preferably fresh. You get even better benefits.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have a little um, NutriBullet at home, and I whiz it up, and I actually mm. make a flax egg uh, for cakes and things that I make. But often that works really well for, for a
0: vegan f- substitute. Yeah, definitely. That's true.
1: Um, some ways that you can eat nuts. I have for breakfast. I have a smoothie bowl often, and I'll either put almonds or peanuts or uh, hazelnut. Nut butter in it. I'll put pecans on top. Uh, LSA, which is like linseed, sunflower, and almond seed on top. Mm -hmm. Um, You can buy
0: that at like Woolworths, just in the health food section. Yeah,
1: there's a bunch of things, and so I just wanted to mention a couple of the health benefits that they reduce your risk of heart disease. They improve your cholesterol, um, so they lower your LDL, which is the bad fats, and they increase your HDL, which is the good fats. They prevent arrhythmias in your heart. They also reduce blood clotting, so it's kind of a similar effect to aspirin in terms of reducing blood clots. Wow. Um, They relax your blood vessels and they also are high in fiber and they help you to feel full. So they actually help with uh, satiety and weight loss as well. Awesome. Something which I learned about omega-3, which I just wanted to end on here, is that omega-3, which is found in nuts, fights depression and anxiety totally so it really helps people people who take omega-3 they find that it lifts their mood um and it also can promote brain health during pregnancy so basically nuts uh, and seeds are really important to us so i wanted to encourage everybody to get a little bit nutty get a little bit crazy and this week to grab some nuts and try and have a serve of nuts every single day
0: Excellent, and preferably probably raw ones that don't have that haven't been baked would have more nutrients. That's yes. awesome. So make sure you get those into you. This is Gavin Chatteler, Put your hand in the hand.
5: Put your hand in the hand of the man who still the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the sea. Take a look at yourself, then you can look at others differently By putting your hand in the hand of Jesus from Galilee Every time I look into His holy book, no need to tremble God is showing me how I can be His holy temple in hand, I see His loving plan. While we were sinners, He died to set us free. Put your hand in the hand of Jesus from Galilee. Put your hand in the hand of the man still the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man Come to calm the sea. Take a look at yourself, then you can look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of Jesus from Galilee. Mama taught me how to pray before I reached the age of seven. And when I'm down on my knees, that's when I'm close to heaven. But daddy lives his life. But Jesus Christ, the kind of man I want to be And he showed me all I need in this world to live happily Put your hand in the hand of the man, steal the water Put your hand in the hand of the man, come see Come look at yourself Then you can look at others differently By putting your hand in the hand of Jesus from Galilee He's 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 got the whole world in His hands 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 He's got you and me, sister, in His hands Brother, in his hands, he's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Put your hand in the hand of a man who's still the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calm the sea. Yourself, then you can look at others differently. I put your hand in the hand of Jesus from Galilee. Put your hand in the hand of Jesus from Galilee.
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. It's come that awesome time of our program for the testify yeah. segment. So we've got Matt Para in here with us today, a good friend of ours. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. Just give us the,
6: the where are you from, who are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Orlando, Florida, and I was born in a small town. Well, I should say originally from Key West, Florida, and I grew up in Orlando. Um, yeah, just a Florida boy from the Sunshine State. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a good place to be from. Very, Very sunny, warm, very tropical. Very cool. Very beautiful. Oh, it is. And I think I was 25 years old when I gave my life to God. Started studying scripture and applying it to my life. And uh, that set off a journey, about a 20-year journey now. So far. Following Christ. Yeah. And worshiping God as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. So I was a Florida boy, no shirt, no shoes, climbing trees, eating mangoes, going fishing. Uh, Yeah, I was just a wild boy. With no shoes, no shirt, just that was my life. Love it. Climbing trees. <laughs> it was so good. I had the yeah. best childhood. Not the best in the sense that my family was perfect. Yeah. Or that the city I came from was perfect, but just great. Like cities where there's lots of sin, there's also lots of children. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everybody has like fifteen brothers and sisters, fifteen <laughs> yeah. cousins. You know, it's just like we're all just like a bunch of wild kids in the streets. And so that's the byproduct of a holiday destination where lots of people live a kind of riotous li- li- lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah, Key West, man, that's where I'm from. Running the streets, playing with the kids. Yep. And uh yeah, I grew up, gave my life to Jesus, and now I live in Australia.
0: Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and we're all pleased. That's about my life story. You've heard at least it. all of us that live here. <laughs> that's right. So what I'd love to hear a little bit more about Matt is what
6: mm-hmm. y- you said. You gave your life to Jesus when you were 25. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I, I was. uh just uh yeah that's it yeah yes that's right so so what i'd love to
0: he- learn a bit more about is what was your life like before that moment that moment how mm-hmm. did you meet jesus and how has god led in your life since
6: yeah i'm so philosophically minded that when you say how was what was your life like i think wow i could answer that in 500 different ways right it was it was like a lot of things but ultimately it was superficial i think that's kind of you know it wouldn't be admittedly superficial but it was superficial i just lived for the satisfaction of instinct and urges and impulses and, you know, whims. And, yeah, um, I was uh, 25 when I gave my life to Christ. And prior to that time, I just spent a life of trying to fit in to find what I, sug- I should be, what I should do. And didn't find much. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I you know, didn't find much. Mm-hmm. That, you know, typical stuff, girlfriends. Um, friends, surfing. Um, Yeah, I don't know, what was life like? I was in the Navy for a few years. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Um, I hated it, but I love the memories. Um, I played sports for a time, that was okay. I liked, I I was relatively good at baseball. That's uh, kind of a more masculine version of cricket. For those Australians who've never heard of ba- baseball before, it's kind of like what, it's like what men play uh, when they want to kind of have a sport that's similar to cricket. Um, <laughs> hey, what's so funny? Wait, the Australians <laughs> in here are laughing. What's, what's going on? What's so funny about that? Uh, no, no, look, man. I, okay, so uh, single mom. We grew up s- single mom home, super poor. Her family abandoned her because she, when her parents divorced, decided to kind of live with her mom. So she raised my sister and I, my dad left us. She's super poor, trying to give us a better life than she had. And my mom's cool, she's super tough, just tough and rough and a little bit prickly at times, but um, super committed and uh, really wise, just a very wise person. I think she committed a lot of her wisdom to me. Um, Super disciplined. In her life, not her life personally, but towards us, we, mm. she just kind of gave us a lot of discipline and probably kept us out of a lot of trouble. Because we grew up, I grew up in kind of more poorer neighborhoods, places where uh, you know poor white people lived in trailers, and then I lived in government housing projects where, with a lot of minority populations, and it was pretty rough, pretty you know crazy. Um, but my mom was pretty you know good at guiding us and being strong for us as much as she could. And then she married this guy named Steve, which was awesome. He was fantastic. But then as a kid, I think I was just like most kids, you know, just trying to find fun and find enjoyment and find friends and, you know, just, just do life. And um, most of my pursuits were shallow, you know, just the typical shallow pursuits, you know, trying to satisfy ego, trying to fit in, trying to be somebody, distinguish myself somehow, some way. It's always the same story for everyone. Mm. It's, it's what is the way you use to try to become somebody. Totally. Something. Totally. Know? Distinguish so, yourself. but
0: We're going to have to take a break here in a moment. It's already been six minutes? Yeah. Almost. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> we are. We're going to literally give you a break in a moment. But in the next 10 seconds, 20 seconds, just tell us, bring us to the point where you, where you s- encounter Jesus. The Holy
6: Spirit is speaking to everyone. He's convincing the world of their sin, of the righteousness of God, and the judgment that's to come. And uh, for me personally, it was just a... Uh, well, we've got to take a break. You told me. Wait, how no, many you, seconds? Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah listen. Uh, <laughs> this guy's over here doing 10-second like, signals. It just totally threw me <laughs> off.
0: Totally threw That's off. all right. We're going to take a break, and we're going to find out about how the Holy Spirit spoke to you. This is day Daywind Singers' Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
7: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow straight
4: Everybody.
1: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. Just before we go back to Matt and um, listen to the second half of his testimony, we want to encourage you to send in any questions that you have. You can call in on 1 800 324 843. That's 1 800 Faith FM. You can text us on 0491 064 669. Or you can hit us up on our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. So we're going back to Robbie, who's leading some questions about Matt.
0: Awesome. So, yeah. We had just left off, Matt, mm-hmm. about to answer the question, how is it that you actually encountered Jesus? The Holy Spirit leads everyone,
6: but how did he lead yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. So the Spirit of God, the Bible says, guides us into into truth, and he convinces us of our sins. So I, th- I think the simple answer is I came to terms with my sinfulness. Something was wrong fundamentally with me. Uh, there was something wrong with my birth condition. And... Um, all of my efforts, all of my energies couldn't absolve me of this constant sense of, uh, of sin and guilt and shame and, and, uh, and the life record, my life record testified to it all. Uh, complete and absolute selfishness. Um, and the Bible says, you know, Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit in his sermon on the mountain. And I think I just, I began to come to terms with the fact that I was poor in spirit, that I was spiritually impoverished, and the Holy Spirit that guides you into truth just guided me to the place where I could, where I could acknowledge and admit the truth, uh, my blindness and uh, my human uh, sinfulness. And uh, I, was, I was willing at that point to seek a Savior, um, not just a Savior from my problems, like the external issues of my life, but a, a Savior from my sins. I began to understand and acknowledge that, that the, the root of all evil in the world is the human heart and the same heart uh, condition that every other person has I had. And so the, the great elephant in the room for all human beings is that the evil around them is the product of them Mm. And this is what people don't admit. You know, We always point to evils that are external to ourselves. But the Christian, the, the true Christ follower is one who has come to accept the fact yeah. that their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? And they look for God to save them from themselves, mm. not just from their problems. And I think this is the difference between false and true Christianity. True Christians are looking for a savior from themselves. False Christians are just looking for an easy go, and they want to live forever and never die, but uh, I saw in Jesus eternal life like a kind of life that was beautiful and good, and so that's what I wanted, so that's what I started to pursue God and, and to follow Jesus Christ and to accept his offering to me of salvation and of a new life. I wanted to be new, I wanted to be different mm. than, than what I was and who I was um, yeah, Amen. I saw in Jesus humanity two point yeah, and I saw that's myself awesome. in that, yeah.
0: Very cool. So mm-hmm. you met Jesus, you were 25, mm-hmm. you started on this journey and how has God led you in just a couple minutes? Sure. How has God led you since that time?
6: Yeah, look, I, I was a pretty unconventional individual before giving my life to God. I, I wasn't someone who needed all of the normal structures of life in this world. I had no ambition to be typical. Um, you know, Just go to high school, go to college, sit in rush hour traffic,
0: so relatable <laughs> be, you know
6: and then die you know one day um, I just I just thought well you know I, it, I want to live a life where I can say at the end of the day I have done what God wants me to do and I wouldn't have articulated that prior to my conversion but I wanted a life that that, that was original and no life can be original except for the one that's lived honestly mm. uh, where a person is actually choosing what they're choosing they're not just being swept along in a, in a current that other people have created for them. So I gave my life to Jesus and decided that I would reserve my life to his will. Uh, That led me to a small mission school and an itinerant ministry where I just traveled the US doing different kinds of preaching and teaching and ministry. And uh, that eventuated to a place where I started working for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm. Um, And yeah, preaching in different capacities, teaching scripture, soul winning mostly. And now I work here in uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church as the evangelism director um, uh, yeah, in our conference. So yeah, that's a long story in a short few words, but, um, yeah, man, just following God as he leads and not worrying about career or position, uh, being ambitious just to satisfy the will of God for me and to be who God has destined me to be. Um, that's hard. That's hard. But I think that's, that's what we're all called to, to live our life, the life that God has designed for us Mm. rather than being just swept into, you know, a mold that someone else has designed for us. Mm. totally
0: oh oh that resonates with my soul so much
6: so, yeah. yeah it's for living free mm. living Matt, free
1: in just about a minute we have a, a over a minute left but I was just wondering if you could share with us what would you say to yourself now so if there's someone out there who is like young Matt just living for themselves what would you say to that person oh
6: just 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 be honest with yourself I think that honesty is not just the best policy in your interactions with other people. It's your. Be- it's the best policy when you're evaluating yourself. The Bible says examine yourselves and I think very few people do that and very few people when they do do that are honest. So just be honest with yourself. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and in your quiet moments, mm. you hear it, you know it. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, just be, just be honest. I think that's what I'd say. Be honest with yourself because if you are then you're prepared to accept God truly. And um, the Bible says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And that doesn't just mean when you give all the necessary effort, it means when you search for me with all that's in your heart, all, all your heart for real. Yeah. Like when you're honestly seeking, when you're telling yourself the truth and when you're seeking for real. So that's what I would say, yeah. you know, be an honest person. So um, I knew a lot of people who were masters especially now too, you know, unfortunately. But my whole life I've known people who are masters at um, deceiving themselves and uh, creating a facade that, uh, yeah, it's not real. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So thank you so much, Matt, for coming in. We are so grateful to hear a bit of your story. May God bless you as you continue to search for God for real and continue to lead others to do the same. And for those of you that are listening, we just – Yeah, we just encourage you to do the same. Be honest with yourself. Search for who God really is. Listen for that real voice, and you will find that he will reveal himself to you. Mm -hmm. This is Don Francisco, Whatever He Says.
8: There was a wedding one warm summer evening A happy and festive affair Jesus and his five disciples attended And even his mother was there Oh, the singing and the dancing were merry The eating and the drinking were fine But then the unthinkable happened And they ran out of wine When Mary told Jesus the problem He said to her, Why involve me? You should know just like I know My time's not yet come to be But his mother just called all the servants Pointed him out to the crew She says, that's the one who can fix Whatever he says to you do There were six pots of stone there for washing And when the servants came over to him Jesus said, fill those pots up with water So they filled them right up to the brim Then he said, see the wedding director The man with the scowl on his face Take a cup of that stuff in the pots now walk over give him a taste when the director tasted that miraculous heavenly brew he didn't know where it had come from but the servants they all knew so he called to the bridegroom and told him this is the first rule of party know how you serve the good stuff first then bring out the worst but you get the best till now you serve the good stuff first then bring out the worst Get the best till now So no matter the size of the problem Or who made the biggest mistake If it's just a personal matter Or if the whole planet's at stake Remember those words that were spoken A mother's words ever so true Whatever he says to you, listen Whatever he says to you, do Whatever he says to you, listen Whatever he says, whatever he says Whatever he says, you
7: just do
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. That was... Oh, no, it's not on my screen anymore. It was Don Francisco or something. Anyway... If you've got any questions, we just wanted to give another shameless plug. And it could also be if you have any suggestions of things you'd like us to explore further in Scripture in future Bible studies as well when we've got a bit more time and a bit more planning to be involved. So if you'd like to do either of those things, we'd encourage you to call in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or text in at 0491-064-669 or hit us up on our Facebook page. We've come to my favorite portion of the radio show. Yes. And that is the Bible study. Absolutely. So we are up to Daniel chapter six, and we're going to be starting in verse one. But before we do, I just wanted to do a quick recap. So last episode, we went through the story of Daniel chapter five. We read that King Belshazzar was yes. the, the final king of Babylon. He was co-ruler, left in charge by his father, Nabonidus, and The writing was on the wall. That's actually literally where the phrase comes from. (laughs) And Babylon fell in one night to the Medo-Persian Empire under the leadership of Cyrus the Great. And so we now have the follow-on of the story. Now, what's amazing is that typically when someone takes over a monarchy, what's going to happen is that most of the leadership of that monarchy is going to be publicly executed, and their own leadership is going to come in and take over that position. But what's fascinating is that as we enter into the story, we're going to find something very different. So let's read on from verse 1 through verse 5.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. This is one of my um, yeah, favorite stories, I think. Chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to selling him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God.
0: Okay, so check this out, right? Normally you would have all of these people executed, but Darius, who's put in charge of Babylon under the leadership of Cyrus the Great, right? You've got this guy, and he puts 120 people in charge. And guess who is sitting in that list? You've got 120 people who look over the kingdom, these satraps, as they're called, these rulers. And they're led by three dudes. So three guys manage the 120 who manage the whole kingdom. Yeah. Right? And who winds up in one of the three?
1: Yeah, Daniel.
0: Daniel! This is amazing. Because it's just so hard to fathom. But the way that the Persians came in to lead was, was quite a bit different than the typical monarchy. Yeah. And so it's fascinating that Daniel gets put in charge. And not just as one of the satraps. As one of the three governors who overlooks the 120 And then it says, even beyond that, what did Darius do? What was he thinking about doing? Yeah, he
1: was really trying to set up Daniel. And he was thinking, man, I need someone to rule everyone. Um, I think I'm going to pick Daniel. He looks to be this man. And I think it's really amazing, Rob, because it's like this story that we're going to see as it unfolds is actually showing that nothing is impossible for God. Like nothing is impossible. And here, like you say, he's had like three monarchs and they've been ruling and he still has another king come through a totally different group of people and god puts him in charge and to me it's like man nothing is impossible you think you're going to die you think that you won't have influence if people come in um god can can use you for good and for influence wherever you are
0: totally totally he can use you anywhere this is so epic like like, really, if you think about this, even before he's thinking about putting him in above everyone, which is, which is essentially to make him prime minister, right? Like, yeah. he's putting him, he's considering putting him in an incredibly high position. He was one-third of the governors, right? Like, it's like, that's crazy. He's one out of three, and now they're considering putting him even higher. And Daniel's integrity and his usefulness due to his faithfulness to God led Darius to consider putting him in that position, because you don't put somebody into that position unless they are valuable, yeah. especially as a foreigner, especially as a minority, especially as someone who does not, clearly does not bow to your your gods, your ideologies, your way of doing business. Yeah. So this is astounding.
1: And to me, something that just really sticks out, um, you said that he saw something in Daniel. And the thing that we see is the Spirit of God in him. We see in verse 3, it says, Uh, Daniel distinguished himself because an excellent spirit was in him. And we looked last week, if you guys remember from last week, actually, the queen mother, who we, who we suspect to be the queen mother, she says, man, this guy, Daniel, he has God's spirit living in him, like the spirit of God. And I think, man, what a cool testimony to be that person who it's like, Beck has the spirit of God living in her, Robbie has the spirit of God in him. This guy was known because he had an excellent spirit in him and that was God living in him. And I just think that that's such a cool testimony to him.
0: Totally. Now, all of this led to not some not so great circumstances, right? Yeah. So. In the end of that, it said that there were a group of people, some of the other governors, and it says governors plural, there were only two others, so that means all of the other governors, by the way, and a huge number of satraps, it doesn't, doesn't indicate if it was all, but it seems to be leaning towards saying it was all of them. They all seemed to come together to plan and plot for Daniel's demise. Now think about that. Think about being put into a position of authority, a position of leadership because you're doing what God has called you to do. God is blessing, God's putting you in this place. You're having integrity, you're having faithfulness. It's blessing the nation. And yet those people who are equal with you and those people who are below you are now planning and plotting to undermine you just to get rid of you. Like you're yeah. it be it, you know the, there's a thing like it's almost a little bit like tall poppy syndrome in a sense, but way, way more significant, right? Like you're showing you're, you're too good. We don't want you to be in charge. Yeah. You're outdoing us.
1: This was something actually that I was thinking about Daniel and his story is that God puts him in, allows him and and elevates him and puts him in these positions, but his life is not easy the whole time. Like Mm. the whole time, every single kingdom he's in, every single part kingdom that he's part of, every circumstance that he's in, there are people against him and they don't want him to be in that situation. He's still there and he's faithful, but it was hard every single time. And I just think, man, like... He's working for the Lord, but it's not easy. Like every single time it's a challenge. And I think about us, sometimes we think it's not going well. And we're like, Lord, why is this happening? You know what? You might actually be exactly where God wants you to be.
0: Totally. And it's such an encouragement when you're in those difficult positions to know and have that confirmation. God is with you. Yeah. Just because things get tough doesn't mean God is not with you. So amazing. One other thing I'd like to highlight here before we go to a break is is that they actually say there's only one way we're going to get this guy they tried to see if he was breaking the rules of the land the laws of the land they said there's nothing Mm -hmm. the guy has perfect integrity and then they say the only way we're going to get this guy is if we can get him hung up on one of the laws that he follows following his own god yeah and what's powerful here is that we are called to adhere to the laws of the authorities until They interfere with us following the laws of God. So this is Francine Bell, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot.
2: Was changed to a winner by his holy grace when he died on Calvary. God revealed salvation's plan. He said, Take Jesus by the hand, because he's coming for the
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. Super excited to have you with us. We're continuing on on our journey of Daniel chapter 6, which I believe is going to involve some lions shortly.
1: Yes. Very excited for the lions. I love animals. But just for a moment, we're going to break our study to ask you to ring in or text in with a question or thoughts, um, anything that you wanted to share or you've been thinking about. Please give us a call on 1-800-324-843, one faith fm Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. We would love to hear from you.
0: Awesome. So we're going to continue our story with the verse 6 onward. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counsellors and advisers, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, so that it cannot be changed, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree.
0: And verse 10. Now, when Daniel
1: knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days.
0: Oh, there's so much to say in this passage. That's one of my favorite verses in the whole book of Daniel. Perhaps my favorite. It's absolutely amazing. What a throwdown. Yeah. Mic drop, right? Okay, so let's start with verse six. Notice that it says this group of people thronged before the king. Now, what comes to your mind when you say the word thronged?
1: To me, a whole bunch of people, um, maybe even sellers, like trying to sell something in a market. When there's like a, thr- a group of people in a marketplace, they're sort of thronging around. It's like they're all yelling. They're all pointing. They're all trying to uh, get your attention.
0: So they're fully, this is, this is a, they're, they're here to sell a product, right? Yeah. And they rock up. And I want to take notice of what they say. So they come to the king, they're like, King Darius, live forever, which is what you were supposed to say to the king. And then it says this, it says, some of the governors of the kingdom? All. All. All the governors of the kingdom, all the administrators, all the satraps, all the counselors, all the advisors have consulted together to make this decree where everyone will worship only you for 30 days instead of whatever their deities are. Yeah. Now take note for a moment. They clearly did not consult Daniel. Yeah. Point number one. This is a fa- uh, f- flat out, a flat out, I'm trying to think of all these like allusions. These, it's a flat out bold faced lie. Yeah. They say that we have, they're, they're insinuating we even have Daniel's permission. Yeah. Everybody has consulted together to make this decree king. You should do this. You should set it up so that for the next 30 days no one can worship anything but you. hmm This is profound. What's going on here?
1: Well, to me, it's just, well, like you say, deception, but really also, um, they're trying to make a law and this is a big deal. They're making a law so that they can kill someone. They're making a law to catch Daniel out. And so for me, it's like, man, them, they're creating a law here that is selfishly intended so that King Darius is like, oh. People worship me. That seems like a really good deal. And he's so blown away with the selfishness and the like ego and pride of it that he doesn't think about the reality of what this is going to mean.
0: For sure. And I love what you said there. They're playing on his ego. Yeah. They're playing on his pride. They're using flattery. They're using deceit. Now, this is interesting to me because this actually harkens back to the very first sin yeah. that's recorded in Scripture, and that's the fall of the angel Lucifer who becomes Satan or the devil whose issue was pride. Ezekiel chapter 28, Isaiah 14 talks about this fall of Lucifer and the source of the issue. It says your heart was lifted up. In other words, you were proud. And I just wanna highlight here that something, something incredibly important is being pointed out here. Pride is at the root of almost all sin, if not all sin. Pride comes before a fall and what they are doing here is they are they are playing on his pride and his ego in order to get what they want and how often do people come to you to flatter you play on your pride and your ego when their intention is to take advantage of you yeah keep that in mind if people are coming to you with flattery and kind words and lots of oh la, 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 right beware yeah just beware typically people who are doing this are not Always the most well-intentioned. Now, I'm not saying you can't accept compliments or you know that people aren't genuine, but there's a difference between this smooth flattery.
2: Yeah. And, and this is what's
0: going on.
1: And then what that results in, like not having time to think or not processing. Like we look at King Darius, it seems quite immediate. They're like, oh, we've all come together. We thought this, this is such a great idea. And then he responds with, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's sign straight away. Like he's not, he's not thought about this. He's not thought about anything. So I think it's really important. Like we, we can be flattered. Things can happen or people can have ideas and we need to think, man, is this from God? You know, totally. one, this is a big thing. We're signing a decree that people can be killed if they go against it. And so for us in our lives, I think it's really important to remember, like, like God's given us a mind and an ability to think um, and he'll speak to us if we seek him on decisions. And for any decision, especially big you mm. know, decisions over kingdoms, we should come to God and, and ask for his guidance and help. And I think for us, we see the opposite happening with Daniel is that King Darius was lifted up because of his pride. And what do we see Daniel straight away? He's humbled. So straight away, as soon as Daniel hears the news, he then goes and he humbles himself and he prays. He seeks God powerful. Um, and to me it's yeah, beautiful. It's like dichotomy right there.
0: And and just something that I think is incredibly important for us to remember. For those of for those of us who call ourselves Christians, this is incredibly important. We should never accept a privilege. Never accept a privilege that will force upon others the denial of the liberty of their own conscience. Mm. As a Christian, I should never be instituting or fighting for a law that will force you to act against liberty of conscience. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You should always be free to make your own choice. But what they're doing here is they're saying, no, 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 you will not have liberty of conscience. You will be forced to worship against your conscience or die. And what's amazing is that the Bible actually foretells in Revelation that that will again happen at the end of time. Yeah. And we as Christians should never be a part of that, ever. We should never be forcing upon others, coercing upon others to act against the liberty of their conscience.
1: Even towards, even for God. You know, that's like right. God God never does that for himself. He doesn't coerce because that's not true following. That's not true love. Um, so and you can't
0: force exactly, real worship.
1: Yeah. And so God doesn't ask us to do that. He always allows people the free choice. And I think that that's really important in this case. We see, um, yeah, that Daniel still... He doesn't actually abide by what the law is saying if it's over what God is saying.:
0: Totally. I'm actually listening to a book at the moment on audiobook. It's by Tom Holland, a popular um, British historian. The book's called Dominion, and it actually is going through the history of the church and the history of the time prior to the Christian, Christian church or Christendom, as you might call it. and it's fascinating because what the what the medieval church did for a millennia was persecute those who did not adhere. To the same set of beliefs.
2: Yeah.
0: And they did this in the name of Jesus. Is it possible, and the Bible says it will happen, that we could become guilty of doing the same thing.
4: Yeah.
0: So I think this is a profound point. And this is what these people are doing. They're forcing the denial of liberty of conscience upon this person, that pain of death. But like you said, Daniel's response is incredible. Daniel has no fear. I love this. He said, You can't pray to anybody. So what does he do? He goes home. He goes up to the place where he normally opens the window and prays. He opens the window. He kneels down, faces towards Jerusalem as his custom was, and he prays three times that very day. Yeah. What a powerful statement.
2: Yeah. Boom.
0: I'm not going to be afraid. And by the way, like how many times has God demonstrated his faithfulness to Daniel already? By this stage, Daniel is a well-aged man. Yeah. (laughs) He is far advanced in years. Yeah. Right? And he is not afraid. He knows the God in whom he trusts. Yeah. And I would love for us to all have that experience where God's faithfulness has been tested in our life and he has come through so we gain and develop more trust to the point where when we are at pain of death, pain of loss, pain of suffering, we would rather die than sacrifice our walk with Jesus. Yeah. So profound. This is so, oh, I love this. It's yeah. so inspirational.
1: Something that is so cool from this section as well. I love that in the verse, it says as his custom was um, since the early days, like he always did this. And so he's developed this, this pattern of devotional and prayer life. And so Daniel is a man of prayer. So when something like this happens, he doesn't have to question. He doesn't think, what do I do? He seeks God, but he doesn't change his devotional life and his prayer life. And to me, it's so cool actually that the governors and everyone against him they bank or they count on the fact that he will keep praying. Isn't that amazing? And so they have <laughs> so much faith in Daniel's faithfulness that they know that they will make a law and he won't abide by their law. Like that's crazy. Imagine them setting up a law and they have so much faith in his faithfulness. Man, I want to be that kind of person that like people have faith in my faithfulness that I will always trust God. That's Man, right. That would be such a cool testimony.
0: Totally. And I just, we touched on this a bit before but I want to touch on it now because you've raised it. And that's that, you know, the Bible talks about what, how we should behave as Christians in, in, a, in a variety of ways, right? And it all is, is, is coming back to selfless, other-centered love, right? But what's, what's really interesting is that the Bible tells us that we should obey the laws of the authorities. And yet, it also tells us that we should obey God above all things. Yeah. And so, as a Christian, I should be a law-abiding citizen, Right? Absolutely. The, yeah. the Bible's not saying we should go out and be zealots and, and, and be violent or any of these kinds of things, right? We should be law-abiding citizens until until the laws of the land are in conflict with the laws of God and then we should always obey God's law because God's law supersedes man's law. Yeah. Right? And when those two things are in conflict, it's God's law that should stand. Now the reality is there are going to be consequences from that and sometimes those consequences are not good. But we're going to find out how Daniel responds to those consequences in this story, and he does not respond by rioting. He does not respond by, by I guess like, violence. Yeah, people. vitriol. He's not pushing back against this and trying to avoid the consequences. He's actually accepting the consequences, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And he sets an incredibly powerful example, and allows God to come through for him. Let's check it out. Let's read from verse eleven through seventeen.
1: Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed." So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed.
0: All right, so this is full on, right? So these dudes come together, they assemble. This is a planned attack, right? They have consulted together with everybody except Daniel. Yeah. Right? And so they're coming back together. And, you know, it's funny. Misery loves company, right? Well, so does evil doing. Yeah. When we are participating in things that are wrong, we often want to get others involved for a variety of reasons. But one of those reasons is that it makes us feel less bad. There's someone else who's, who's also going to take the punishment. We can explain it away. And so they're all involved in this together. Interesting. They set up this accusation craftily too, right? They don't just come in and say da-da-da. No, they've, they've, they've planned it. Hey, you know that law that you said that you made that cannot be changed according to the customs of our people? Yeah. You said this, and yet here's this Daniel, this Jewish guy, and he's not obeying. In fact, he's defying you not just once a day, three times a day. What are you gonna do? Yeah. The law says he's gotta be killed. And so I love Darius' response to this because Darius has made a big boo-boo, let's be honest. Yeah. And it says that he was greatly displeased, but it doesn't say he was greatly displeased with anyone else. He says he was greatly displeased with who? Himself. With himself. Yeah. The challenge is he realized too late, and this is so often our experience, so often we realize too late the damage that we've done in our desire for pride and self-exaltation. So he, he works all night, right? All night, but the problem is even though he's got the right motivation now, it's often a lot harder to undo the damage because you can't undo what's already been done in real life. Yeah. You know, you can try and make things better, make amends, but you can't undo what has been done. It's much easier to do harm than to undo the damage done by it. This is Brian Free and Assurance Dare to be a Daniel.
2: Once there was a mighty king who made a great decree. He set all my spouse before me, all the lines. I've
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. We're excited to have you back. And uh, Beck's got something to say about question of the day.
1: Yes, we still do not have a question. So please, if somebody could call in or text in, the number to call is one 800 324 843 that's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text us on 491 64 That's 491 64 We would love to hear a question from you.
0: And you can hit us up on Facebook as well. So feel free to do that, Faith FM on Facebook. All right, so Darius has just taken Daniel and regretfully, he's tried all night to find another way to deal with this situation. But he has to follow the law. His hands are tied, right? He's put himself in this position. Yeah. Right?
1: His hands are tied by his own hands. That's right.
0: And so he actually makes the command and Daniel is thrown into this den of lions. Now just imagine this, right? Like imagine what it would be like to be taken out of your home just for doing what you believe to be right and being taken to a place where there are starving predatorial animals in a big pit. Yeah. And they throw you into this thing. They open it up. They throw you in. It's got to be deep, right? Because it's got to be deep enough that the lions can't jump out. And let's be honest, cats can jump high, can't they? Yeah. Even big cats. I've been to the zoo. So <laughs> this is full on. This is this would be terrifying.
1: And I also feel like with Daniel, though, that he might have the same... Like he, There would be different thoughts going through his brain. I don't know. Maybe he was super faithful that he knew things and God spoke to him but it just feels to me like he would have the same sentiment going through his mind that his friends did at the fiery furnace where they said Mm. God will deliver us but even if he doesn't so in his mind he's like, God will deliver me from this he's delivered me but he's maybe he's like I'm old this is the end of my life I've been through so many kingdoms maybe this is how it's going to end I'm going to stand in faithfulness for God um yeah I just wonder what's going through his mind but he knows that God can save him and then he says if it's God's will I will be saved
0: That's awesome. And so Daniel's thrown in. King Darius comes. They put wax on it. He signs, sticks his signet ring in there to just make it an official seal to say, hey, this thing's been closed. If that seal comes off, we know it's been opened up and we're going to wait. And then the wait begins. Yeah. So let's continue reading through from 18 onwards. Well, we can. Let's read through 23.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me because I have was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God.
0: Woo. I love this. So he's in the den of lions. And what's the king doing this whole time?
1: Yeah, it says that the king is fasting, basically. He's fasting. He's seeking. Um, he, he doesn't have anything joyful before him. Usually they have music. He can't sleep. So I think he's had a really restless night. He's been lying there awake all night. And I suspect that he's starting to pray because it doesn't say that in the text. But he says before, it says in verse 16, the king spoke to Daniel before he threw him in. And he says, your God will deliver you. And then he comes to Daniel and he's like, did your God deliver you? I feel like the whole night that the king was starting to pray to God and he was petitioning God.
0: It's powerful. Hey, it's a powerful story. Like such anxiety that would rob him of his sleep Mm. for the whole night, which seems to be a little bit unheard of for somebody who could so willfully just say at the click of a finger, yeah, let's let's make a law that anyone's going to be put to death if they don't worship me for 30 days or they worship anything else but me for 30 days. And yet here his heart is touched. And he's he's got some semblance of the wrong that he has done. And so what's amazing is when he comes in, he comes in in the morning. And what does he say?
1: Yeah. He says, to me, this is really cool because he says, Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you from the lions? Which for me actually shows he doesn't say, did your God deliver you? But has he been able to? So to me, he's... King Darius was like, I know that you are faithful and that God would be faithful to you. Does he have the ability to do this? He's Woo! like, I know That's because powerful. you're faithful. But will God deliver you? Can he do it? Can he actually do it? He didn't even have a question that he would do it if he could.
0: That's powerful, man. That's powerful. And so I love this. You know, we don't we don't read this in the text so much, but just picture this moment. Picture being the king and you've come and you're saying, take away the cover from this pit and they take away the cover and you can hear the lions down, down in the black pit below you. Yeah. And as you hear them prowling around, you might hear some of these noises and you call out into the pit and I can just imagine it's like, it's like reflecting off of the walls and it's almost like an echo and you say, Daniel. Has your God been able to save you? And then you wait for a moment. And I imagine that the, however long the gap was between that and this next part where Daniel says something would have seemed an eternal age, right? You're waiting. Is he alive? And I love that Daniel speaks up. And out of that silence, yeah. the voice of Daniel says, O King, live forever. Isn't that powerful? He's just He's in the position where he, he responds just like normal. Yeah. Isn't that cool? O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the lion's mouth so that they couldn't hurt me. And he says, This is the reason. Because I was found innocent before God. Yeah. What's interesting to me is then he says this, and he says, he says, And also, O King, I have done no wrong before you. Yeah. What's powerful to me about that is he had broken the law. The law that the king had made. He had broken the king's law. He had violated the law, but he says, No, 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 no. Just because I violated your law doesn't mean I did wrong before you. he said what what he's insinuating is that your law was wrong, yeah, and he says, I didn't do any wrong before you, yeah, I obeyed God, God protected me now what's what's powerful about this, mm-hmm. I think really good is that we can't always expect the outcome to be like it was for Daniel, right. Sometimes we will do the right thing even though the law of the land says otherwise. Sometimes we will be obedient to God even though some other thing would say we shouldn't. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we will always get justice, Yeah. right? Unfortunately, there are times when justice does not prevail in this life where the righteous suffer for holding on to righteousness. But we should still hold fast to our convictions. We should faithfully cling to God In the midst of those circumstances, no matter the outcome, no matter the consequences, because ultimately we know that just like Daniel's name means God is my judge, ultimately there will be a day of judgment and God will be our judge, not the rulers of this world, not the the leaders of our land, not even the heads of our churches, but God himself will be our judge. And I think it's a really profound thing that Daniel here recognizes that and says, I'm going to... I'm gonna do my best to be obedient to God above all other things. And I love this because even though injustice prevails in this world, there is coming a day when injustice will be put to an end forever. Justice will prevail and God is our judge. And I love this. Yeah. On that day, all wrongs will be righted. All wrongs will be righted.
1: It reminds me of a chapter in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and it goes through talking about faith and faith of people. But it says some of them were saved from things that happened, and then it says others of them, because of their faith, they were not saved. Some of them were torn apart by wild animals, which is horrific to think of. But it, it really reminds me of this situation with Daniel, where he wasn't. But then it says that some of them will be and, and had been at that time. But then it says it's okay because their faith and their hope is in something greater and it's in something more. And I think just thinking about the state of the world today and things that are happening and calamities that are happening around the world, sometimes it doesn't work out in this world. Sometimes things do not go right how we want them to go. But if you have your faith in God, he can write it in the end. The hope that we have is for the future, not just for this temporary life, but it's for the future. And I just want to encourage people out there, if anyone's going through something or they're really distraught because of things that are happening, to put your faith in God and to be encouraged that no matter what happens here, if you have faith in God, you will live again. And it's just such an encouragement.
0: Such an encouragement, such an encouragement. Let us choose today whom we will serve.
1: Yeah, amen.
0: Not the leaders of the world, but the leader, the, the creator, the maker, the, the, the God of the heavens, right? Because the Bible says that God will extend mercy to all those who are willing to confess and repent. doesn't matter your, where you've come from, your background, your history, your, your lineage, none of that matters. He's willing to extend that to everyone who confesses and repents. Amen. And that's powerful, and we can be assured of that life. We can be assured of that. This is Anthem Lights, Reckless Love.
7: For I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. I took a breath, you breathed your life in me, you've been so, so kind to me.
3: The way. Oh, the
7: overwhelming, never-ending, reckless
9: love of God He is jealous for me Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree Bending beneath the weight of His wind and mercy By glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh,
3: how he loves us so.
7: Climb up, coming after me. There's no one.
8: Yeah, Robbie and, Oh, dear Mook didn't expect that coming. Robbie and Beck. What time to, is it? What time is it? Do you know what
0: time it is? Oh, I do know what time it is. It is
2: time for... Question of the
0: Day. Awesome. So glad to be back. And I love this part of the day. So we have a question from Jacob. So thank you, Jacob, for sending in your question. And the question is... How can we make sense of the verse in Matthew 24, 36, and also in Mark 13, 32, where Jesus says that no one knows the hour of the second coming of the Son of Man, which is Jesus, except for the Father. Yeah. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. How, when we read this, can we understand, oh, sorry, let me read, reread the question. So, we know that Jesus suppressed his divine knowledge. In other words, he, when Jesus became a human being, he limited his knowledge. He did not know everything while he was there, was instructed by the Holy Spirit as a person. That was part of the the incarnation, you might call it. We know that Jesus did this, but how is it possible for the Holy Spirit not to know this? So great question. Interesting question. Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is there's, there's basically two main positions on this that I'm aware of. And the first is that just as Jesus... Um, limited his knowledge in the incarnation there are some who would suggest that the holy spirit also did the same for a time that it was possible for the holy spirit to withhold from knowing something to choose to do that so that's one option that some people hold there's no scripture that explicitly states this yeah the second idea that's put forward is that essentially when it says no one knows that the emphasis here is more about the fact that Because Jesus is coming at a time when nobody knows, the emphasis is not so much on who doesn't know in heaven, but more specifically, you can't know when Jesus is coming. So you need to be ready at all times. And so that's basically the second position. And the position being stated there is that essentially, Jesus is saying no one in the context of, saying that no earthly person knows that you can't even find out from an angel. And the fact that the Holy Spirit is not explicitly mentioned does not necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit was not in the know. Um, just as when we read in John 17, when Jesus says that only in 17 verse 3, to know God is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and the Son is, the, is, is eternal life, does not exclude the Holy Spirit um, Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's really important when looking at scripture, Um, looking at just one verse, um, we we look at all of the verses. And so when we see that all of the verses talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's many verses that talk about them as being the Godhead, so that they are part and parcel. And we don't have the direct answer, I think. Um, We're sort of speculating here, and we're going off the best that we can. And I think that that's something that is important to recognize as well.
0: Yeah, totally. And so great question. Hopefully that helps you out a bit, Jacob. One thing I would say is that as we search Scripture, there are questions that we come to that we don't always find explicit answers to necessarily in this lifetime. But it does not mean that we should not continue to explore those options and those ideas and to see what Scripture really says. But the key point out of that passage that I think is key for us to take away is that there's no one that we can ask to find out when Jesus is coming. He could come at any time that we you know we can't set the date and we can't know that time so we need to be prepared all the time yeah let today be the day of salvation that we choose to respond to god's grace Absolutely. awesome so thank you for that question jacob
1: yeah just before we um go to the section where we're wrapping up and looking at practical applications i just wanted to thank one of our listeners who called in and um he yeah, just gave us some points and encouragement i really just wanted to thank them for calling in because it made our day so thank totally. you very much
0: Awesome. So before we get to applications, we still have a little bit left to read. So let's get back to Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse, that's me buying time, verse 24 through the end of the chapter. Did you like that? That was stylish. Okay, I'll read (laughs) 24 through 28.
1: (laughs) And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, the little ones, and they were overpowered and broke all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of these lions? And it was God. (laughs) So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian.
0: Awesome. Good reading there. So... One thing that I think is really astounding here is that we see a picture of judgment taking place. And what's interesting is it's fascinating that Daniel's name means God is my judge. Yeah. And throughout the whole narratives of Daniel, chapter 1 through 6, we see judgment taking place, right? There's a judgment taking place over whether or not Daniel and his friends should be able to follow the health principles that they're wanting to to you know, draw a line of resistance, so to speak, to be faithful to God in all things. There's a judgment taking place over the wise men in Daniel chapter 2. There's a judgment taking place over Daniel's friends in chapter 3. There's judgment taking place on Nebuchadnezzar himself by God in chapter 4. There's judgment taking place on the kingdom of Babylon in chapter 5. And there's judgment taking place over Daniel and his accusers in Daniel chapter 6. It's a powerful thing because at the end of the day, God is the judge. And unlike the judges of this world, God will judge fairly, God will judge justly, and he will extend mercy to those who are willing to receive it. Amen. But what's really interesting is we see a picture of what what is taking place in this story where Daniel has been innocent. He's been found guiltless before the laws of the land. Well, sorry, he he was found guilty before Darius by his law, but he was found guiltless by God. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the punishment that was put on him is now returned onto the heads of those who deserved it. Now the challenge is there were people in there who didn't deserve it, like the wives and the children. And this is a, you know, unfortunately, this, this is a, not a perfect picture because God, however, is not going to judge unjustly. Yeah. God is going to judge each individual case. Ezekiel 18 tells us that the soul who sins shall die, not, not my kids will have to suffer for my sins, right? So each person will be held accountable for their own choices. And this is a powerful and a profound thing because God is a fair judge. And truth be told, if any of us were to stand before God and be judged just on our own lives, how could we stand?
1: Yeah, we couldn't.
0: You know, The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But praise be to God that in Jesus, he has made a way. And by accepting God's Holy Spirit into our life, by accepting the grace of Jesus, we can be saved. We can be forgiven. And we can walk in newness of life and not be a slave to those things any longer. And this is God's desire for each of you. So I just wanna encourage you to respond to that. Respond to God's grace because at the end of the day, no matter who the human judges are and whatever their judgments may be, ultimately God is the vindicator. Ultimately God is the judge. And may we choose to live in such a way that we can trust that he will be faithful. This is Chris Rice. It is well with my soul.
9: When peace like a river, attend death my way. When sorrows like sea whatever my lot you have taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul it is well with my soul Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control That Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood It's well, with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, my sin. His glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole. So The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resign.
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. Super stoked to be wrapping this up and sad a little bit because I just I love the book of Daniel. Yeah, it's been oh, so good. So good, so good. Maybe we'll look at some of those later chapters later on in the future. But let's, let's try and draw some applications here. What do you got for us, Beck?
1: Yeah, I think I'm um, looking at the whole book of Daniel, really realizing that God wants to reach everyone. Like that's his goal. And so God uses different methods for everyone and realizing that they're not all the same. Even hearing the testimonies that come in, they're all different. And so looking at that, God used health actually to draw people. He used the health message. Um, he used prophecy to, with King Nebuchadnezzar, he used that to try and draw people. He used the issue of worship and worshiping him. And he used the right way to worship to draw people to him. So for me, it's just encouraging that he he reaches us. We're all individuals and he fashions us individually and he reaches us individually. So for some people, they might be brought to God through health or other people through prophecy or other people through personal testimony and other people through worship. So if you have friends or people in your life that need God, just realize and just say like, Lord what is going to help this person find the how opening, can I share right? and that he'll use you to reach someone that nobody else can
0: totally because there are people that only you can reach right yeah. God can God can use your influence in a way that he can't influence mine yeah and vice versa and the same is true for each person each person that's powerful that's powerful any other thoughts any other applications
1: I'll go for one last one before Rowie goes for it, is that thinking, man, I just keep thinking how spiritual and faithful Daniel was and that he had such a deep spiritual life and he was faithful his whole life. But also the, the image I see of Daniel, I can't actually even say that I've done those things. You know, he's been so faithful. There's nothing we can see that he wasn't, but... I want to be that kind of person and to pray that God will help me to be that kind of person and to be faithful and that where I fall in, he'll forgive me because he will, but that he will fill me with his spirit so that I will be faithful like Daniel.
0: Mm, It's so true. So good. Because God doesn't want us to just walk around stuck in that space either, but he's got a way for us. It's powerful. The last thing I'd really like to say, like faithfulness might bring about persecution. Point number one, it might happen. Sometimes, Following God's law will require us to be at odds with other laws, and we should follow God no matter the consequences. But lastly, God is our judge, and let us remember to think, speak, and act as if we actually believe that. Yeah. And I love this. There's a passage in Romans 8. I was trying to find it online, but then the Holy Spirit told me, go where you know it is, and I was there. And it says this. It says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Put your faith and your hope and your trust in God. Yeah. Jesus is the very one who judges. So put your hand in his hand and let him take you all the way through. Make your decisions based on the love of him. Remember that real faith is lived faith. It's
1: faith.